All right, you know, one thing is like a side thing, and it could even be like a back show that we could just kick off into like right away real quick, is the personal issue of how in the hell do we keep being in these communities, keep being optimistic about reform and selling reform and selling progress when we're constantly faced with a pessimistic reality and being flooded with the the new the newest trauma and, and the newest problem of complete lack of advancement like even here in Baltimore to sell what we're trying to do and to be effective communicators we have to be optimistic but at the same time there's almost no reason to be optimistic no yeah you know i think this is in some ways a uh, a philosophical question right um the German philosopher Heidegger, uh, who had some serious limitations, but whose philosophy today is used in, uh, especially in continental philosophy and in European philosophy, really is sort of like the foundation of trying to break apart identity-based issues, is someone who talked about the ontology, the sort of structure of, of being of humans as one defined by care the fact that we have concern for things, right? And that's not care about specific things, which is probably closer to the way we've traditionally uh, defined the human being. The human being is rational, and uh, rationality gives us truth, or it's the medium through which we know and understand and obtain truth. Uh, but truth is always like a very specific thing, like the Christian God and Jesus Christ, right? And so as long as you don't believe in that, then your rationality is defective. And if your rationality is defective and rationality is the defining principle of humanity, then your humanity is effective, right? That is effectively how we have written entire populations throughout our history out of the human definition. You know, but by, I think, focusing on this idea that what makes us human is the fact that we just are concerned with things in our surrounding is maybe, maybe uh, lets us not have the question of whether we should be optimistic is just to accept optimism as a fundamental function of what we are as a creature. So, <laughs> so I have to go into this optimistic, ready to go, believe in you're going to win, despite having all the data that says you're not. <laughs> but it's like, I, how many times have you or I tried to dunk in our life? I mean, I know when I was growing up, I tried to dunk, like, there was nothing to suggest I was ever going to get, like, the ball in my hand over that rim, but damn, have I fucking tried a million times. Why? Yeah, I guess, I mean, the only thing you can say is that it is what you're saying, that it's human nature to continue to try and get this, and maybe we just read, we, we, we misguide our efforts and the motivation can even remain pure when we do evil things because we're not extenuating humanity broad enough. Mm. And, and I think I do hit that wall a lot because it's easy to explain this happening to your kid, but to install policies and fight so that it doesn't happen to some kid that lives 2,000 miles away that doesn't look anything like you is, is, is the hurdle. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because it makes me think of, I was talking to a friend of Freddie's, you know, who was one of the, the persons who was really, you know, I think at the forefront of the demonstration. He's not one of the people who gets credit for being at the forefront of the demonstrations, but, 
you know, those are the guys who actually knew Freddie, grew up with him, you know, lived, you know, the, the struggle of the streets with him. Uh, and we're definitely, you know, among the actual leaders of the Gilmore Homes community during that period. And, you know, I was talking about, you know, with him and asking him about impact of losing a friend and, and you know, and, and how you sort of navigate that uh, in a direction of like, I'm going to fight for this. And he had a very simple outlook, right? And this is someone who, you know, grew up in Gilmore Homes. We know what the struggles are there. They are, they are unbelievable. With all my years of education, I really, I, I, there's nothing I can say to someone in Gilmore Homes that I feel like is adequate to the challenge. I, I, I literally, I am left without a response. And he's like, look, I can't just sit around and mope about it. You know, I got to get to work. And, you know, for all of like my own moments of despair where it's like, oh, like my life is fucking terrible as I like sit here in like the two bedroom row house that I'm renting with like my cats and I'm, you know, petting them and I'm sitting on my couch watching my big screen TV. It's like, oh, my life is miserable. You know, I don't have a million dollars. What the hell? (laughs) It's like, you know, to hear someone who is navigating a challenge that I can't really fathom, like I can understand it intellectually, like. X percent of people in this neighborhood will go to jail, whatever. You know, I have no idea what that person is, is, is having to navigate from birth, right? Like from, from the youngest, most vulnerable age. And he's just like, look, what, what else am I going to do? I have to put my hand to the plot. I can't just like sit around. And maybe it's just as simple as that. Maybe there doesn't have to be a why, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, there doesn't have to be. You're talking like, I think what you're saying about sitting there comfortably that's a barrier to why we can't do reforms Mm. is because the, the standard of living in America is so high that even if you're relatively not prosperous compared to the rest of the world, you still have plenty of people to be like, Whoo, I got it pretty good. This is just because I'm here. So that, that like lulls us from greatness. It allows us to be complacent. It reminds me of you talking about in during the uprising how some people would sh- go around shaking their head or ha- they say, how is this going to do anything? They talk about voting or, or, or all these issues and they go out. But it's, f- from my perspective, those are the person, people and, and mentalities that prevent me from, from helping other people Mm. and and it's often other people that look just like them and have grown up in those same struggles but because we're complacent in in what we do have even though it's so small that we don't really step up and fight it takes somebody feeling like he did that his best friend was ripped from him and that these struggles were all in place it's almost like it like recovering from drug addiction or something Mm. the the idea that you have to hit rock bottom before you actually even get any fight in you like tawanda jones is is the strongest fighter that i know but objectively it it had to come at her brother being beaten to death in the the flow of the black lives matter movement Mm. for that that strength to optimistically go out towards seeing something and how she continues to do that. I don't know because a lot of other families of victims of police brutality just roll over and let it happen and accept it as a status of society. And then when we're trying to be optimistic and fight for them, it's like, Oh, come on. Like I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. 
You know, but I suppose that uh, just as an animal, we have always subsisted on the inspiration provided by others, right? Uh, look, there are a lot of people who are never going to be, you know, the demonstrator in the street, but they will be inspired by that demonstrator to go vote for a different type of candidate, right? Uh, to pursue a different type of public policy agenda. And maybe it's, again, it's just one of these things that we have to accept. Like there are going to be people who show the kind of uh, extraordinary resilience that someone like Ms. Tawanda Jones has shown and other members of her family uh, because, you know, they all participate in what is an years-long, ongoing, I I wouldn't call it a protest, attempt to raise awareness about the lack of justice when especially poor African-Americans are killed at the hands of police. You know, and maybe it's enough to accept that, you know, right? Like, we're not all going to be Michael Jordan, (laughs) right? Somebody's got to be Steve Kerr, and somebody's got to be the guy in the stands cheering a bot. And maybe that's enough. I think you're, like, I don't know. I kind of felt like you just hit on that. So, like, why be optimistic? Like, because it's Wanda. Mm. Or maybe it's, it's not a question of whether... uh, we need to be optimistic. Are we an animal that is simply going to continue to pursue these things just because that's what we are? I mean, I kind of like, I remember, you know, in our second but, episode. But, but aren't we being beaten by our human instinct to pursue oppression? No, I mean, but it's both. I mean, that's like, and, and so. So are we locked into an eternal struggle of oppressor oppressed? I, you know, it's funny because we, part of this conversation touched on like the idea of humanism. And, and there are times when I feel like, you know, the I just the project of defining the human and the inevitable like boundaries it has created has created such incredible examples of oppression and violence and hatred. You know, maybe it's just worth abandoning altogether. But then the other side of that is like, that's fair. And, and, and certainly there's no question that these consequences that I'm describing are, you know, have occurred as a result of this practice. But should we stop trying to hold ourselves to a higher ideal or standard? You know, like, are we throwing the baby out with the bathwater at that point? Is it an experiment that has just proved overall too flawed? Or is it simply not an experiment we're actually engaged in? It is itself the experience of life. One of the experiences of life is this thing I think we're starting to butt up against, which is that every younger generation is vastly superior to the (laughs) generation before it. And every generation before it starts to have pessimism sleep into their ideas. Mm -hmm. And we are on the edge of our generation's leading, trying to be the leading edge of progressive thought and changes in the age of technology. So if this is our internal struggle and we can empirically say that each generation is better, we should have ultimate optimism in that future because we have every reason to believe that those coming after us are much better, will take up the, the, the mantle and succeed and we just might not be the ones that get any of the credit for it. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I think it's hard to deny that those of us who are alive today, regardless of what age you currently are, right, we're Moses at best. You you might see the promised land, uh, but then you're going to drop dead. You're never actually going to enter it. That, that's at this point, I think it's fair to say that's probably the best most of us who are alive today can hope for. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, yeah, the world is fucked up, fucked up. There's all sorts of, uh, you know, 
you can point to things that if that doesn't strip you of your faith in humanity, like, I, you know, I don't know what would. But that said, we have systems today that didn't exist in previous periods. Certainly, you know, America is different today than it was at its founding. Uh, it's, it's hardly perfect. We are nowhere near the promised land in that respect. But we can't deny that certain democratic principles, as they have been implemented in the society, have led to at least an ostensible commitment to the protection of minority rights, even if in implementation we are still far, 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 far from perfect. And that we have to not lose sight of the fact that while we are a very, uh, in many ways, intelligent and creative animal, we are also a very stubborn (laughs) and pathetic one. And so progress will always be slow. And we happen to get dropped off in this particular point in the timeline, and we just have to do what we can to try to keep moving the ball in the right direction. Oh, you kind of got a little optimism put into me. Like right now, it's like, I feel like my, my whole uh, premise. Did I solve this problem? I don't know. Like my kind of my whole premise uh, of this entire discussion came from, I, I think, some of my own biases from a lack of perspective. And a friend of mine, whom I adore greatly, got us into this conversation and, and kind of had this spark this idea that's why you should never have friends man in my in my own mind but she's a millennial mm. and what i'm thinking is is that you know like this question is, is something that i faced and, and and keep butting up against but is that the optimism like she's the optimism right so i i'm thinking how do I navigate this space? And the answer to how I navigate this space is the source of the question. Yeah, you know, and I think we also have to be aware that, you know, our particular intellectual inheritance tends to push us in into a situation where we sort of like see ourselves as the center of the universe, right? Like we're almost always inevitably trapped just because of the way of that we think of ourselves, like just as individuals and as atomized units we're almost always trapped in this sort of solipsism, which I think sometimes leads us to feel like optimism equals like coming up with the solution, right? And maybe that's part of the problem. Like what we're really saying is I feel pessimistic because I haven't figured it out yet. But maybe that's a little bit uh, egoist to think like I'm the one who's going to like solve it. Or even more so that I won't get the credit. Yeah, exactly. Or or the attention or the reward for doing it but that's the wrong measure of success because if she's the one that does it and i influenced some of that and that was the ultimate outcome if the outcome was my goal then i have every reason to be optimistic in her you know it's kind of like when you're a kid and like your friend does a backflip right and you're like holy shit that was incredible there's not like, fuck your backflip. I could have done that. I could have done a backflip one day. Just got to it first. Like, you're right. Like, that doesn't enter our mind. We're just like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> you know, and it, it does seem like as we get older, we lose that. Suddenly it's like, if I didn't do it, ah, uh, you know, I, I can't, I'm not feeling it, man. My idea is more brilliant than yours. It's like, yo, chill the fuck out. Like, we're all engaged in a shared project. You know, everybody inspires everybody else. You know, we're, we're all in this together, we're all carrying the stream. It's silly to say, like, that part of the wave hit the wall first. Man, I think a little nuance just uh, settled that issue. (laughs) That's been another episode of Nuance. 
Join us next week awesome when we ending. solve the rest of the world's problems uh, in five minutes. No, that was good, though. No, that's right.